This podcast is produced by KPP Financial. Steve Peasley, President. KPP Financial. Independent thinking, shared success. And now today's podcast. Hello, everybody, and welcome to Invest Talk. It is Wednesday, August 26, 2020. Of course, we're heading into the final stretch of August, so I think we have three more trading days left. I think Monday's the last day, if I remember right. And keep in mind that Labor Day will fall a bit later this year on Monday, September 7th. So it's going to be a whole week later. Now, the market has been volatile. We all know that, and it will continue to do so. Uh, shouldn't surprise anybody. Uh, since, it's, since it's low on March 23rd, pretty much as March Pretty much straight up. Yeah, there's been a few pauses here and there, but no real correction. And that is very unusual. There should be a correction along the way, and we're probably going to have one. I just can't tell you when, as I always say. But you got to be prepared. Doesn't mean you get out, you don't get scared. No, nothing like that. Just be aware that's going to happen. And if you're a long-term investor, you shouldn't care at all. It shouldn't matter. Any kind of correction we have in the near future, I think, is a buying opportunity, not a selling opportunity, even though you've got to be very careful what areas you're going to buy into. I'm Steve Peasley, and today on this program and podcast, I will do my best to provide unbiased answers to all your financial questions, all of them. As uh, long as they're financial and investment-related, I'll be happy to talk about it. And I know you want strategies to help deal with this volatility, to help uh, help decide what stocks to buy and so on and so forth. But we cannot give you a list of stocks or what you can do. We can only answer questions. You ask about a particular stock, we'll answer the question about that particular stock. But you never hear us, Justin and I, say, buy this company, buy that company. We don't do that. We can't do that. It's against the SEC rules. They have rules saying you have to know your customer. Well, I don't know who my customer is out there in the ether, out there in podcast land, radio land, I don't know. So we can't make recommendations. We don't. Now, doesn't mean we don't want to help you. We do. So if you want to ask questions, we'll answer them. We'll give you unbiased guidance. We'll give you a, a, a philosophy that helps you achieve your goals for financial freedom. We'll help you with all that. But we can't just, you know, I've had several questions in recent emails. What stock do you think I should buy for this or that? And I can't do that. Just can't do that. Now, we do, again, unbiased guidance. Unguided, we'll do that. Uh, and uh, we, we at KPP Financial practice what we call parallel investing, meaning I pretty much buy everything my clients buy. We have different programs. So it depends on which program you're in. But I'm in all my programs. So... We try to, I, I buy the same thing, same time, same prices. So, give me a call. Our lines are open right now. Uh, and the number is 888-99-CHART, 888-992-4278. Give me a call uh, here on the radio show. We're live, 4 to 5, Monday through Friday. And a quick reminder, of course, that we can't travel. We got all those travel restrictions that COVID-19 has caused. So, we do do, we do do. The uh, no-cost, no-obligation portfolio assessments. We do it via the telephone, Skype, or Jive meetings. We'll, we'll do those. I'm more, much more familiar with Skype than Jive, so I've been using that. But if you want to, you know, even a phone call, you send me your portfolios. We'll take a look at it for you. 
I encourage you to reach out to me. Reach out to me or Justin with a message through investtalk.com. You can send me an email through there. Click on the contact us. I come straight to our desks. Mine and Justin's. My focus point today concerns an, 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 a, an opinion. And the quote, because some areas of the cyclical trade are set to outperform. Now, he makes the point that with regard to growth versus value, the narrow leadership from growth stocks may be an indicator of what's to come. But what is to come? We'll find out. That's one of our main talking points. That is our main focus point today. I want to talk about the Durable Goods Report that came out. Durable Goods, are, I like Durable Goods Report. I like to know what's happening in Durable Goods. And I'll tell you why. But I, that came out today for July. Um, and why... What's to stop the stocks, the stock market, from continuing higher? Why would it? What what What's going to be the thing that stops it? We'll talk about that. And there's good inflation and there's bad inflation. How do you know which one's which? Well, I can tell you that. And are we going to see inflation? I, I, I'm thinking our whole, you know, the last 10, 15 years, no one cared or worried about inflation because it really didn't affect anything. I have a feeling the next 10 years or so, that's going to change. So that's why I've been talking about it more frequently than normal. So I want to talk about it again in a little different way this time. Okay, let's kick off the first call uh, today. Uh, we have a bunch of voice bank questions, of course. But first, let's go to a live caller, 888-99-CHART. Let's go to Kim in Washington. Hi, Steve. Um, I, my question was on... Um Amgen, A-M-G-N, um, and I noticed uh, recently that uh, it's a new component in the Dow uh, index, and uh, I took a look at it. Um, looks like it's not super cheap right now, but uh, I'm thinking about um, uh, long-term hold, maybe just slowly adding some uh, for my uh, traditional IRA account. I like Amgen a lot. Uh, everybody should realize that Amgen was just recently added to the Dow 30. They kicked out Pfizer. They added Amgen. Uh, the Dow kicked out three stocks and added three stocks. And the catalyst for that was uh, was Apple splitting, by the way. That's the catalyst for why they did that. Added three stocks and took out three stocks. I wonder if everybody knows why. If you have a question about that, you want to know why, and can't figure it out, give me a call. I'll tell you. I like Amgen a lot. Okay, it is, Amgen is, develops therapeutics based on cellular and molecular biology to treat cardiovascular implement, and inflammatory, inflammatory diseases. I like them a lot because their earnings have been extremely steady going up every year. Uh, not necessarily every quarter, but every year they've gone up. Uh, this year they're going to be $15.76 a share after being fourteen eighty two last year. Next year it's $16.85. It pays a 2.6% dividend, and they're very reliable. So I would be up, it fell recently, but then when they announced uh, the, the adding to the Dow, of course, it popped up. But I would add, I would agree with you, Kim, I'd add some here. You don't have to put the whole position on because it's, it, it's, it's, it's fairly a reasonable price, but it's at the high of its range, meaning the five-year range is 11 to 17, and it's right about 16. Next year, it'll be 15. 
Well, I think it deserves to be a higher range PE. I do, but uh, it isn't. So I think this would be a good place to buy it. You might get a little pullback because it had two good days, and maybe tomorrow will be a down day. I'd buy it if it was down tomorrow. I would. Kim, thanks for the call. Appreciate that. Okay. You're listening to Invest Talk. I'm Steve Peasley. And we know that we are already in the third quarter, halfway through almost. Over halfway through. But we cannot know or predict with any certainty how long the pressures and fallout from the coronavirus pandemic will last. How long will it affect the market? We don't know. So, you're going to expect volatility. We should talk about it. Your participation is important. We're taking your calls live. 888-99-CHART. It's an Invest Talk Wednesday. Steve Peasley is on duty, and he's happy to provide unbiased answers, but you've got to call with your questions. Invest Talk, 888 99Chart. 888 We're going to talk to Eric in New York. Thanks, Stocks. Hi, Eric. Hey, Steve. Thank you for taking my call, and thank you for taking my question. Um, I wanted to ask you about the Fang names because, as we all know, I mean, they're just the most eye-popping stocks to look at when you look at the chart. Um, I've had an investment thesis for the past few months that these stocks are overbought, have moved in way too parabolic of a manner, and are due for a pullback. And that thesis has cost me a decent amount of money uh, because they kept on running these past few months. I want to know, like, where does this end? Um, you know, I, I have a friend who will buy 50 shares of Amazon on a dip, make money, sell it, wait for the next dip, rinse and repeat. And if that's not the sign of a top, I don't know what is, but it doesn't seem to end. So what's your take on it? Well, I, frankly, I don't think you, we should try to anticipate the end. Because they're going to keep running until something stops. Well, we're thinking about all the Eric, forget about the fundamentals. We didn't know that they're not paying a fund. Anybody's paying attention to the fundamentals of these companies. They're not. Because if they traded on their fundamentals, it'll be a lot cheaper. So it's trading, you have to say they're based trade on momentum. But what would stop momentum? Something has to stop it. Well, the liquidity is still going to keep pouring into the system. That's not going to stop. So how, how I think that that momentum is just feeding on itself. So you're just going to ride the ride until it stops. Now, when will it stop? It may stop with a, 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 a slowdown of the liquidity. Is the Federal Reserve ready to slow it down? No. Okay, it may stop if the, if the government stops spending money, especially from this COVID thing. Well, you have the Democrats and Republicans arguing over the next stimulus bill. But both of them want a stimulus bill. Just a matter of when and what, right? We don't know. So I think you, I don't think, I think you close your eyes and just ride the ride. Now, when do you know it stopped? It's not in the price of the stock that you know when it stopped. It's what's happening on an the liquidity out there in our system. When it starts to show any sign of hesitation even, you might see these stocks sell off. But 
you don't have that yet. I wouldn't try to trade it either. It'd be too hard. My wife, uh, who, <laughs> bless her, is not, uh, not in any way knows anything about the stock market. She really doesn't. But she owns Apple, she owns Amazon, and she owns, what's the third one? One of the FANG stocks, uh, Google. And she just holds them. She's never going to sell them. She's made a fortune by doing that. Just sits there and holds them. That's the only three stocks she has. Well, she has a little bit of Qualcomm. That's it. Not, you know, it's what she does. And she's reaping the reward of just holding on to it. Eric, appreciate the call. Thank you. My focus point today concerns uh, an opinion. Some areas of the cyclical trade are set to outperform. Okay, that's the point they're making. Growth versus value. A narrow leadership from the growth stocks, which we just talked about, the FANG stocks, may be an indicator of what's to come. And could that happen? Could something happen? So this is, this is a person's opinion. They feel that there's going to be, the growth names are not necessarily going to slow down. They're not saying that. They're saying that the growth is very narrow, and they're right, and that you might want to consider some sectors of the value value plays. They listed the sectors they like, industrial, healthcare, consumer discretion, and financial. Those are the sectors they are considering. They also mention gold. Gold, which, gee, if you've listened to this show for any length of time, you know what we feel about that when we ask, people ask us questions. So their, their point is, don't necessarily get out of your growth names necessarily, but you might want to spread out into some value stocks, which I totally agree with. Okay, you just have to. Okay, 888-99-CHART is our number, everybody. You are listening to Invest Talk. I'm Steve Peasley. I want to remind you that each Friday, I share highlights from the newsletter, KPP Premium Newsletter. I wish you would tell your friends and listeners to maybe listen, maybe it's, maybe take a, get a free copy of it. I send free copies out all the time, so maybe they want to subscribe. Love to do that. Uh, clients get the Premium Newsletter for free on uh, either. My phone lines are open, 888-99-CHART. The calendar tells the story. Summer is moving fast, and the Labor Day holiday will be here soon. But you've got finance and investment questions now. So Steve and Justin, welcome your calls. Invest Talk, 888-99-CHART. 888-992-4278. Let's talk to James in New York. He wants to talk about Apple Computer. Uh, yes, uh, I own Apple. Um, I know the split is upon us. Uh, I was thinking of adding to my position in Apple. Do you think that that would be a wise move post-split? Uh, it would be for long-term, long-term hopes of uh, holding Apple. Okay. Uh, do you have... How much of Apple of your portfolio do you have on a percentage basis? Is it three percent, five percent, ten percent? What? How? Right, right now, right now I'm at about four percent. I was thinking to increasing it to maybe seven percent was my my idea. Okay. My my suggestion Six, would seven. be no. My, okay. my suggestion would be no because you have four percent already, and that's a pretty good 
you know, allocation. We, I, I usually do uh, normally 3%, but I tell people you can go up to 5 That's not a problem because you've got to get, leave room for, the, for it to grow, right? It could go from 5 to 10 Then at that point, I'd cut it back. Or if it goes to 3 to 10 I'd clearly cut it back. But, you know, it's already, the reason why I'm saying this is we know Apple's already had a very long run, and it's right at, it's making, it's pushing it up against and pushing its five-year PE range up. So I'm not keen on adding it without a pretty decent pullback. Uh, and then if you get a decent pullback and your 4% goes to 3%, yeah, go to 5% at that point. But I, I don't think that you, you're putting it on right, right at the high, you know, even after post split, unless it pulls down. But something has to happen for that to occur. So, no, I, I wouldn't add it right now, and I wouldn't add a post split, but I would if you get a pretty decent correction in the market or in Apple itself. James, thanks for the call. I appreciate it. Apple, AAPL, everybody. And if you don't know who, who Apple is, boy, you need, to, you need to start brushing up on the stock market. <laughs> because Apple is pretty, pretty, it's a largest, it's a $2.1 trillion company. Bigger than most countries in the world. Bigger than way over 80% of the countries in the world. Maybe 90. One company. Come on. you got to you be impressed. Anyway, durable goods report came out. This is for July. It was up 11.2%, and that's a huge, huge increase. Okay? They expected it to be more in the range of 4.85%, somewhere in there, and it was 112 and this is three months in a row where it's been very strong. Durable goods are those things that tend to last three years or longer. Buying things that last three years or longer. Automobiles, manufacturing equipment that lasts a long time. You know, uh, so one of the things that we look at is, is uh, uh, durable goods report X cars and truck sales taking them out because tar and truck sales were up 22% in July That after being up 24% in June. So what if you took those out? What would it look like? And this is very common every month to take those out. Well, if you took them out, and they call that the transportation sector, you take out the transportation sector, it still goes up 2.4%. So it's still a decent number, not a great number, but it's so obvious what's pushing, and that's the low, low interest rates, people going out buying new cars. Okay? But it is, that, that's a good sign. There's, remember we talked about last week and the week before, uh, uh, new housing starts and then existing home sales, and now I'm talking about durable goods and talking about auto sales. See, so... Even though we have a COVID-induced recession, you know, the government has been pouring money into people's pockets, and this is the kinds of things they're doing, and they're keeping the economy. The consumer is doing the job the consumer is designed to do, and that is to consume. So how long can we – we need to keep this up until the economy kind of takes over and kicks in on itself, on its own. But the government's going to keep pouring money into – to, to keep that going, everywhere. this is the way it's going to happen. So that was the durable goods report. Now, not everything is rosy. You saw that the unemployment claims last week was over a million, and they expected it to be 
below a million for the second week in a war, second week in a row, and it wasn't. A million is a pretty high number. When we were pre-COVID, it was running about two hundred to two hundred and thirty thousand a week instead of a million a week. And California, by the way, everybody has a million backlog of unemployment claims that they haven't got to yet. They're behind. On InvestDoc, we often mention the United States Treasury Department and explain its role in our monetary system. So as we go to break, here's my trivia question. The Treasury Department was founded in 1789, but how far back can we trace its roots? And you may already know that Alexander Hamilton was the first Treasury Secretary, but can you name the man that held that job during the administration of President Franklin Roosevelt? Remember, he was there for 12 years, three terms, I think he was in. I'll have the answer after the break. But for now, my phone lines are open, and I encourage you, I encourage your investment questions. I really do. So, 888-99-CHART. This is Invest Talk. Is your portfolio balanced? Is it optimized? Is it delivering the types of gains you want and need to achieve financial freedom? Well, turn up the volume because there are many questions that deserve unbiased answers. And Steve Peasley is here now, ready to take your calls live. 888-99-CHART. 888-99-CHART, everybody. Okay, before the break, uh, I had a trivia question. The Treasury Department was founded in 1789. That was the question. How far back can we trace its roots? So the Treasury Department was founded in 1789. How far back does it go? 1789. And you may already know that Alexander Hammond was the first Treasury Secretary, but can you name the man that held the job during Eisenhower? President Franklin Roosevelt, not Eisenhower. Franklin Roosevelt. Okay. First up, the United, I'll give you a definition. The United States Department of Treasury, which is managed by the Secretary of the Treasury, performs many important functions, including paying the nation's bills, printing money. A lot of people think the Fed prints money. They don't print it. Okay. They don't actually do the printing. And then also the Treasury collects taxes. Okay, they act as a principal advisor to the president and the cabinet on economic issues. Uh, the Treasury Department was founded on September 2nd, 1789, but the institution's roots go back to 1775 when America's leaders were looking for ways to fund the Revolutionary War. Okay, their solution, issuing cash that doubled as redeemable bills of credit, raised enough capital the fuel of the revolution, but also led to the country's first debt. And with the ratification of the Constitution in 1789, the American government established a permanent Treasury Department in hopes of controlling the nation's debt. President George Washington named his former aide-de-camp, Alexander Hamilton, to head the new office. Okay, can you name the man that held the, during the uh, Roosevelt years, held that job? Henry Morgenthau. Henry Morgenthau was the Secretary of Treasury during most of the administration of Franklin D. Roosevelt. Morgenthau played a major role in designing and financing the New Deal. 
He died. Morgenthau died in New York in 1967. Bonus question. What was the U.S. debt in 1789? How much money were we in debt then? $75 million. And that's not inflation adjusted so Today's dollars are more, but not much debt, huh? Okay, let's keep moving. Here comes another caller question, this time from an investor, Invest Talk listener in Florida. Let's talk about life insurance. Hey, Stephen Justin, Chris calling from Boca Raton, Florida. Quick question on uh, life insurance. Heard some people say uh, Dave Ramsey is the way to go. Invest in term, save your money, invest the rest. I've heard that's renting insurance. Go with whole life. I've heard do both and have the permanence of whole life and term to cover the assets and the education for the kids. I've heard that term is trash and you're renting insurance. I've also heard that whole life is only for the wealthy. Love to hear your take on it. Love the show. Thank you, guys. I'm a term guy, term life insurance. I worked for the insurance companies for the first eight or nine years of my career. Uh, why am I a term? Because the premium is very low. And you only, you, you buy life insurance because you need it for a specific thing. Like you're married, you have children, and you, you're the breadwinner, whether you're the man or woman, or you're both breadwinners and one of you passes away. You need to replace that income for a while to get those children old enough to be on their own. Maybe to help pay for college, pay off the mortgage. Those are reasons to have insurance. If you're single, don't have uh, 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 children, there's no reason to have life insurance. None. And I say you invest the rest, just like uh, you buy the term life and you invest the rest over a long period of time. If you figured out the difference between the premiums, most likely you'll do a heck of a lot better investing the rest, the difference between term, the cost of term every month and the cost of whole life or universal every month. And I proved this with my father-in-law, who passed away not that long ago. Um, he bought he he bought life insurance, uh, and this was years and years ago when he first when I first knew him. I, and I said you should just buy term, not whole life, because the premium is high. And he still bought whole life. And I did the math over all the years. His his wife he was a widower. He did pass away. Years and years later, and he got the death penalty from that term life, um, that whole life policy. But I figured the premium, and I added it a four percent return on that premium difference, and he would have been much better off if he wouldn't have done it that way. But then again, he probably wasn't disciplined enough to put that money aside. That's the other issue: discipline. Thanks for the question, though. So we got a good question in our voice bank here. So let's grab another. This time from Kentucky. Hey, Stephen Justin. This is Andrew from Kentucky. And I was just wondering what your thoughts were on Visa, ticker symbol V, and just the uh, payment services industry as a whole since we're going into a more cashless society. All right, thanks. I look forward to hearing your answer on the show. Yeah, there's going to be some big winners because we are moving toward a cashless society. There's going to be some big winners in the space, whether it's Visa, American Express, uh, or, or Google Cash or Apple Pay, uh, you know, or PayPal. Who knows who's going to be the big winner? There will be winners and there will be losers. I like Visa. I think it's a very solid, big, huge company. 
$406 billion market cap. Their earnings have been pretty consistent uh, over the years. Uh, they, they, it's June's quarter, the one just ended, they, their sales fell 17%. Okay, So that was a tough, tough quarter for them because of the COVID thing. But I think they're going to bounce back. I don't have a problem with that. Uh, they're going to make $5.83 next year. It's a $210 stock, so it's super expensive. It's right at the top of its P.E. range, 24 to 39. Current equity is very good, 36%. Uh, and it just looks like it's trying. To, it's coming right up to its old high, pre-COVID high. That's where it is now. I wouldn't buy it here. I'd either want to wait for a pullback or maybe I buy a little bit if it broke out above the old high because then it's in more momentum. But uh, this is not the area I would buy it, but I do like the company. Good, solid company. 888-99-CHART, 888-992-4278. Okay, stocks will continue to go higher until they're stopped by some kind of catalyst. And it's not going to be the coronavirus, people. You know why I say that? It's because we, we're fully aware of the coronavirus. Even if, even if it started up again, we know how to try to control it. And we know we're getting closer to treatments. We have some good treatments now. Not the best, but good. And we're getting better at it. And we're getting closer to a, 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 a vaccine. That's coming. There's no doubt in my mind there's going to be some kind of vaccine. You know, there's like 120 vaccine candidates out there. So it's not going to be the, what's going to stop the stock market is not going to be that. What could it be? Well, it could be a change in administration that could stop the stock market. Because we know that the new administration, if it changes, wants to raise taxes. That could stop the stock market. But at the same time, when that happens, there's going to be a lot more spending, too, because there won't be a disagreement as to the amount of spending, and I think that will maybe offset taxes. So I'm not convinced that that will be a problem. Not. It probably is going to be, you've heard me mention a black swan event. That means something coming from left field that will stop the market. As long as the Fed keeps punching, punching money out there, as long as the government keeps spending money in the droves that they're spending in, the stock market is not going to stop. Not going to slow down even. Now it might be a correction, but I think it's a, it'll be a correction to buy. Correction to buy, not sell. You're listening to Invest Talk. I'm Steve Peasley, and I encourage you to explore the financial investment information we have posted on our website at investtalk.com. We post information all the time. You can learn about the various investment strategies that we have at KPP Financial. For example, check out our Equity Income Plus program. Is dividend investing with a little bit of boost. We use options. We develop the strategy you know, because it holds dividend-paying stocks, and we love the income from that. But you get that boost by the, by the, the writing covered calls. That's what it does. That's just one of our five or so programs we have. So if you're serious about achieving financial freedom, you'll want to reach out to me or Justin at KPP Financial in Irvine, California, and learn more about investtalk.com what we do. We'll help you. You don't even have to become a client. We'll still help you. And now I'm taking your questions live, 888-99-CHART. 
This is Invest Talk. Good news. Steve and Justin have recorded another Rapid Fire Hour podcast. They take caller questions at a faster pace, but you still get their unbiased answers. In this special bonus show podcast, you'll hear responses to 34 finance and investment questions. The theme of the program concerns market processes, best practices for investors, and explanations of various terms and investment opportunities. So tell your friends, search Google Play, Spotify, iTunes, or investtalk.com for the free August Rapid Fire Hour. Independent thinking, shared success. This is Invest Talk, made possible by KPP Financial. Hey guys, I was wondering if you could go over sort of the nature of closed-end funds, why they exist, what are their positives, and what are their negatives, and what investors should have in mind if they see a closed-end fund that looks attractive. Thanks so much for your answer. Bye-bye. Oh, a closed-end fund. It's kind of a hybrid between a mutual fund and an ETF. Uh, what makes it different is there is a f- finite number of shares that the closed-in fund issues. They don't increase the share of number of shares. So what happens is the holdings, the stocks that they hold, uh, the value of the fund will go up and down with the value of those stocks. However, being that there's closed-in and finite, it can be driven also up and down by supply and demand. So if the stocks they hold, let's say they're the FANG stocks, okay, which are really overvalued, what if people wanted to flood into that closed-in fund? They wanted that closed-in fund because it held the FANG stocks, and there's more buyers and more buyers and less sellers. They would drive the price of the closed-in fund above the net asset value of the stocks it holds. So it can sell at what we call a premium or a discount, to its value, its net asset value of the fund. So the pros are you can pick up something if it sells at a discount cheaper than buying all the stocks in, on the open market. It's, it's at a discount. The, you know, so it, and the, and the, the other good part is it may run up to be overvalued higher than the stock price themselves. Now you can flip that on its ear and that's the negatives. So that's that's pretty much the pros and cons of closed-in funds. Okay, 888-99-CHART, 888-992-4278. I think I can squeeze in one more question here. Hi, this is Jason from NH. I've been listening to your show for a few months now. really love it. I've been watching a company called Blink Charging Company, ticker symbol BLNK. I've been watching it for a little over a month, and I was curious what you think about this company and if it would make a good long-term investment. Thank you for taking my call. Okay, I would say no. Um, you know out there, every time I, if someone brings up a stock that doesn't make money, I don't like it, right? I mean, it's pretty consistent. Blink Charging Company owns, operates, and provider of electric vehicle charging equipment and networked by EV charging services. Now, so what's happened is the idea, everybody like, loves the idea, right? Everybody loves it. And sales are growing pretty strong. That's what they love. But they they lost money every year. They're going to lose money this year, 40 cents a share. And they're going to start losing less money next year, 29 cents a share. The stock is a $7.37 stock. 
For me, I want to wait till the company actually makes money. It's a $233 million company. So it's very small. Very small. Will it succeed? Yeah, it probably might. I, it could. I don't see because, you know, the electric cars are, you know, are going to continue to explode in growth. We know that. So, uh, but how many, what's their competition? What's the competition for Blink Charging? This is a tiny, tiny company, right? Or is Tesla their competition? I'm not talking about selling cars. I'm talking about who makes other? Who make, who's the other maker of charging equipment? Okay, who? See, that's what you want to do. Look at your competitors. And do they make money? Are they growing faster? Those are the kind of questions you want. You look at everybody in that industry and pick the best one of the bunch. But I do not care for buying stocks that don't make money. There's too many opportunities to buy stocks that do make money. And this stock has ran up below from below $2 in June to now $7.37. It got up to $13 and pulled back. So that's a, ro- that's a roller coaster ride you're riding. Now you got to pick the bottom of Maybe is it pulled back and this is a place to buy it? It looks like on a chart, this is where it finds support. I'll say that right here at this price range. But I do not like buying stocks that don't make money. Eric from New Jersey, hang on until after the break. I'll get to you, I promise. This is Talk. I'm Steve Peasley. And we have one goal here, to help you achieve financial freedom. And our work will continue after the break. So get your questions in now, 888-99-CHART. You are listening to Invest Talk. Every Friday on the program and the podcast, Steve Peasley shares highlights from the newest edition of the KPP Premium Newsletter. Listen Fridays to Invest Talk. And now, Steve and Justin welcome your calls and questions. 888 99 Chart. 888 Let's talk to Eric in New Jersey. He wants to talk about Uber. Eric. Hey, how you doing, Steve? Thanks for taking my call. Thank you. All right, so I have a uh, I have a pretty large position in Uber. Um, uh-huh. I started buying more shares. I um, I was actually pretty impressed with the last earnings report. I know that the ride hailing was down, but I was pretty, you know, optimistic about the uh, you know the Uber Eats and the Postmates. So I want to know if you thought about buying more. Not if it's a big part of your portfolio. You said it's a pretty good size of your portfolio. You, you don't want to be over. No. You don't want to over concentrate. It's dangerous right. for a portfolio. Now I'll say this: when you do concentrate, you either are a big hero and you look like a genius, or you're a big dunce. It's not too often that you know you just do okay. Uber Technologies, everybody. They've, this is my problem with Uber. They don't make money. They've never made money. They're, they're going, well, I take that back. They did make they did make money one year, fifty nine cents a share, but they're going to lose three dollars and seventy nine cents this year, thanks to the COVID. That's really what's killing them. They're going to lose a dollar forty two next year, and in two thousand eighteen they lost five dollars and four cents a share. So sales are still growing. Uh, did you hear about Uber and Lyft uh, pulling out of California? If California implements that new law, they've been pushing. So yeah, yeah, that's good. Sure. I've been following. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I think Uber, I think Uber, Lyft, and all those companies. I think their whole goal is to be self-driving cars. Eventually, 
not having even drivers. And I think that's where they're headed. Now, this is a $56 billion company right now. So it's a huge company already, and they've never, they don't make any money. So at some point, they'll probably turn around and make money because they have lots of ability to support themselves. You know, they don't have as, as much debt as, they don't, it's not that big of amount of debt. So they have a lot of ability to keep going no matter, no matter if they lose money or not. But it's just not for me because they lose money and I'd like to buy companies and make money. Uh, and for you, if, you, you if you're going to concentrate like that, I would concentrate on companies that make money, not lose money. But I, I don't recommend that you concentrate your portfolio. Appreciate the call, though. Thank you, Eric. 888-99-CHART, 888-992-4278. Okay, inflation. You know, inflation is not in itself is not bad. So there's good inflation and there's bad inflation. Good inflation means we're growing, we're growing, and inflation is pushing prices up, but not at a, a an unsustainable or a, a clip that makes makes everything distorts the, all the economic uh, uh, realities we live with. In other words, a couple percent inflation. Even the Fed likes two percent inflation. You know, and be steady. It's the outsized inflation or the dramatic change in inflation. That's when things start to cause problems. So, have you looked at food in the last few months? There's inflation in food prices. How about uh, autos, automobiles? Prices have gone up. For whatever reason, prices have gone up. Uh, how about housing? Where what? The, uh, the median is $300,000. Prices have gone up. That's inflation. So inflation is going to be a problem because real interest rates, like say on the 10-year treasury, is negative. I'm talking about real inflation rates. That means you take the inflation, you take the rate of a 10-year treasury, which is what, 0.6, per year, add inflation, subtract inflation from that, and it's negative. Because inflation is a little bit more than that. So we have to have real interest rates growing. We have to have debt not expanding at the rate we're expanding it. So we're not printing as much money. There's, you know, if we, where we are now, we're going to start producing inflation. How much? I can't tell you, but it's going to be with us for a while, it looks like to me. So. I'm Steve Peasley, and this completes another InvestTalk program. I will return Friday with highlights from the KPP Premium Newsletter. Remember, tell your friends and family members about KPP Financial. We have over 100 archived podcasts, free. That means we have more than 100 topics. Podcasts are a great way to add to your investment knowledge. So get your free downloads at iTunes, Google Play, Spotify, and InvestTalk.com. Remember, independent thinking, shared success. This is InvestTalk. Good night, guys. Because of the nature of the interactive dialogue inherent in the format of this program, it's important for the listener to understand that not all comments made will apply to them specifically. Nothing said shall be taken to be investment advice or shall statements on this program be considered and offered to buy or sell securities. 
Such advice is rendered solely on an individual basis and at times will require that the investor review a prospectus before investing. InvestTalk is a copyrighted program of Klein Pavlis Peasley Financial, a registered investment advisor, which retains all rights. For more information regarding KPP's investment advisors, call 1-800-557-5461. Steve Peasley is president and Justin Klein, chief executive officer of Klein Pavlis Peasley Financial. And they thank you for listening and welcome your comments or questions on our 24-hour listener line at 888-99-CHART. 888-99-CHART. 